Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, dude. The 90s call. With Christine Taylor and David Lasher. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Hey, Dude, the 90s Called. Thank you so much for joining us. We have an exciting guest who's already in the waiting room, David. I'm Christine, by the way. And, yes, and this I'm, is, this is I'm David. David, by the way. No last <laughs> uh, names anymore. Yeah, David, David, tell us. Tell us about our, our guest. Tell us. That, this is really exciting. <laughs> I honestly have not been as excited about this podcast since you said yes to do the podcast. <laughs> it, yes. I, I, there, there's... Honestly, so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. I tried to prepare, but Mayim and I have so much history and so many years together as like really, like really tight friends. And she's gone on to do so many things. I, I don't even. <laughs> no, it's it's overwhelming. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually a little bit intimidating how much she has going on, how cool she is, how brilliant she is, how talented she is. So let's, should we? Should we bring her in and yeah, like, bring just her get in. going? Because yeah, we have you, so much to say. <laughs> and you guys have a lot in common. Hi, Mayim. Hi. Hi. It's so good to see you. Really. Look so good to see two of you together again. Adorable. 
We're adorable. I'm kind of dying at this. Christine, and you both it's... look exactly the same, by the way. We always say that, but it's really true. I said, you should see me naked. It's very different. <laughs> it's <insane. laughs> I never, no, we never went there. <laughs> but I, I, I will tell you, I just told Christine, I have not been excited about this podcast since she said yes to do the podcast because <laughs> I, I, it's just so amazing to have such a great old friend on and uh, like, there was no way to prepare. I tried, but there's just <laughs> so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start, but um, thank- well, and and also I have a history with Christine in that I used to go to the real live Brady Bunch at the in Westwood. Yes, we <laughs> went, there's I have photos. I, I went, yes, I went 29 times. You weren't there the whole time I was there, but no. like Jane Lynch and Andy Richter and Ricky Lake, like. It was like a part of your life and that most people probably like wouldn't know about, but I was obsessed with that play. And oh. David, like during the time that I was on Blossom, like this is what I would do. I went 29 different episodes. Of the Real <laughs> yeah, you Brady never took before. me? No, that's right. I did not. Just me and Christine. By, by the way, I feel like had you invited him back then, given our history, it was a little too soon out of like you were still being mean to me back then, David. Wow. You were not. Yeah. You, would, wow. you probably would have said, screw that. I'm not going just to got, see it. It just got real show. deep. It just it got, got real, real deep. deep. Well, real you, dark, yeah, you, you go deep. Yeah. Christine and I dated. We had a bad breakup. She did an episode of Blossom and I didn't talk to her the entire week. And I've apologized <laughs> to her. That's so awkward. It's so awkward. That is supremely awkward. Unfortunately, I didn't have any work to do with you, David, or you, Mayan. It was it was with uh, it was with you know Dad and Joey. So I we were on our own little you know bar set on the side, guys, and I kept to myself and made some new friends. I love that story, though. (laughs) I'm loving that story. I have felt bad about it literally ever since, and I'm so happy to apologize for the twentieth time. Yeah, of, I just keep the, bringing it up just to make him feel bad. Yeah. I don't honestly even remember it to be really blunt about. It. I told you, you brought it up. That means you had to block it out. The trauma was so deep. You had to block it. So traumatic. Um, my, it's so funny that you said that. I do. I have pictures from the time that you came to the show because it was such a big deal, and Ricky, and it was a big all these big group shots of us. And that was just the dream job as as the the number one you know or so so I thought Brady Bunch fan to get to do that show but then the 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 fans of it and mm-hmm. the just this it this it was just such a special such a special thing it's it really, really hard neat. to even describe but that <laughs> I have such good pictures I need to dig those up at some point um but uh yeah it's so good to have you I I, I we got to hear I really want to hear so many stories about the two of you guys but like and this is a this is our 90s podcast and by the way you're the only person I think probably ever but literally Maya is an actor author neuroscientist and TV host <laughs> best known for like most people don't have those multi hyphenates I have strange, I have strange, hyphen, strange hyphenates. And mom, I really like attentive, present, devoted mother. I mean, that should be the one in big capitals. Right? Yes, just made yeah. it, just made a quesadilla right before walking over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I listen, Maya, I, I, in doing my research uh, for this, you've made me cry twice in the last two days. And I, I, I listened to your podcast, which with the Mark Marin episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. I mean, my gosh, you guys go so deep and it gets it's 
it's another level of like inspiration and, and, and learning and sadness. And, uh, <laughs> and then I read, by the way, congrats on your podcast because everyone Thank at iHeart, all of our people were so excited to have you on. Like, I don't think I've ever seen this kind of excitement because you, you. are so good at this. And this is what we aspire to, even though we're in entertainment with the, you know, branded towards the nineties. We try and get guests comfortable enough to speak about uh, interesting, yeah. deeper things. Um, and then I read an article you wrote um, about your dad. And I was, you know, having lost my dad, too. I was literally like crying this morning. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I mean, I remember him so well. And yeah. your mom and your family. And we were just you guys were like part of my family at, at, for all those years. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, well, first of all, thank you. I mean, you know, I started the podcast, it's called Mind Balance Breakdown for people who don't know. Um, I started this podcast with Jonathan Cohen, my, my partner in crime and my right, he were writing partners also. And we literally started it, you know, when COVID began, when the lockdown had started, when there was like this tremendous amount of uncertainty, you know, those of us who had, already experienced mental health challenges, we were like, oh, I know what this is. This is just more of the same. But some people were literally like, why am I having trouble eating? Why can't I sleep? What is this strange feeling in my heart? It's like, oh, honey, that's anxiety. Like, come, come over to the side of people that like are very well versed in it and let's talk about it. But we really started it as a podcast to kind of level the playing field. Like mental health should not be something that only wealthy people can afford. It is not a right of the rich. Um, it should be a human right for you to just like have a vocabulary about like what's going on in your body. Like, and, you know, we started with things like, oh, sometimes people like don't know the difference between a panic attack and anxiety attack. And like, for me as a neuroscientist, like we care about those distinctions because it changes like how we get help. It changes how we reach out to other people. So we started with like definitional things, but then we had all these guests who like wanted to open up Leslie Jordan one of our first guests and oh, Cheyenne I'm, Jackson, by the way, I'm and so like, sorry for that. Oh, thank you. So thank, sorry. But, but people, like you said, people want to go deep. And I guess it's something about, you know, me and the environment that we create, but we've had so many people say like, I never talked about this before, but like we had Matthew McConaughey on our podcast. We had Dustin Hoffman on our podcast. Like we who get played your who father, know, right? That Well, he, he, that's right. I wrote, I wrrote a film that I, I cast him in. I mean, it wasn't an autobiography, but yes, he played the father, but like, he's never done a podcast. And we were like, Dustin, do you want to come talk? He talked just like about his craft. And so we, we really, we've had an amazing time getting to know people just like, where, where'd you come from? Where are you at? You know, mentally, emotionally. Um, and we've had a really good time and yeah, we seem to do really well in the wellness space. And I mean, I, it's, it's been really fun. And, and I really, I, I love what you're doing because we've had people, we've had great people from the nineties on and people love hearing about people from the nineties. Like <laughs> they it's really do. There is a real thing. And you know, by the way, I really have to give David the credit there too, because David is the one who came to me and was like, do you find that your kids are fascinated by shows that we were either on or what? Like right. they're, they're finding these shows now and it's having it, it, its own impact. They're sort of fascinated and, and forget the fashion and how it's all come full circle. And it's all sort of the baggy. So much of it has come back, but you're right. It's just there. We just keep talking about what that time meant for people. And 
and more than just what was going on, but the feelings and ha- and the connections that people had. And I think that's it's um it's so true. It's and so people true. our age are so nostalgic for it. So you really have like two different demographics that are really like diverging onto this uh, time period, which was, yeah. I mean, we talk about it It was really the last generation before all the distractions, right? It was, (laughs) it it was, it was like a cutoff time uh, before Snapchat and TikTok and, you know, a million streamers, um, which is why, you know, a show like Blossom, I think, people hold so dearly. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Let's go back to the 90s because I want to talk about 
the podcast. I want to talk about your movie that you directed, but where were you? I mean, I know you did Beaches, which you mm -hmm. freaking stole the movie even from, you know, th these amazing people. Um, but how did you get that movie? And how did that come about? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm considered a late bloomer to acting because many child actors start when they're three and four. And I, you know, I like to say I had a I had a lifetime of trauma, you know, before I even started acting. I started acting when I was entering junior high. I was 11 and a half. And I I was in school plays and I didn't mind auditioning. I liked, you know, kind of like getting the teacher to sort of you know, communicate what they wanted from a performance and kind of make them happy. You know, I'm that kind of actor that is not so much about like, I love the applause. Like, I just really want to make that adult happy so that they say like, you got it, we're moving on. So I love that in school. And, you know, I started acting, it was 19, uh, well, I was born in 75. So it was 1986, you know, 87. And um, people did not look like me on television. So, you know, I'm grateful that my parents weren't like, are you crazy? Like no one looks like you. Why would you be on TV? But that's but the what, perfect reason to go into so, it. So what my, what my mom and dad had always said is that I looked like Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand. And so my parents literally, I mean, back then there was no internet. Like they opened the yellow pages and just like looked for kids agents in the yellow pages. Oh my and God. yeah, my, my, my parents typed up a letter on a typewriter. Like, do you remember typewriters? They typed up a letter <laughs> and it said, we've got this like really strange child who looks like Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand. And she's like, they took a picture of me in the backyard, just like a little like fake headshot. Like we didn't have money to like take headshots. And it was just like a picture. We blew it up. And um, I met with uh, a variety of agents and I ended up going with Bo Shute, who um, was Neil Patrick Harris's agent. She was Mario Lopez's agent. She was Johnny Galecki's agent um, and, and many others. She was Stephen Dorff's agent. So like I got this agent who liked unusual kids and I started auditioning and, um, you know, I did not have success in commercials because again, like no one looked like this on television. This was not, I'm not all American. You know, I'm like a, I'm an Eastern European smattering of, you know, genetics. And um, I ended up getting cast in Beaches. You know, this audition came through to play a young Bette Midler. And my mom was like, this is it. Like, this is our kid. And I was one of the only non-redheads auditioning because Bette Midler, for those of you who might not know, was a <laughs> redhead. Like, she was known as a redhead and I'm not a redhead. And it was four months of auditions. Uh, Gary Marshall was the director who we lost uh, recently. But he cast me and uh, that came out the week of my bat mitzvah. And, you know, that's one of those moments where like my life changed forever because like I didn't know Ooh. there'd be ads for like for your consideration for Academy Award nominations, like things that like I was like a poor wow. like I was just like a kid in like a shitty rental in Hollywood whose grandparents were immigrants. And like I this was not the life. like when I said I want to be on TV, I didn't mean like I imagine I'll have my own television show by 14. But like long story short, that's kind of what happened. So after Beaches different companies reached out to my agent and they were like, this kid needs her own show. And like, this is nuts to me, like crazy. Like it didn't make sense. I ended up doing a show for Fox, which ended up getting canceled, but Jennifer Aniston played my sister on that show. So I like to what? mention that. Because, really? Yeah. We were both, you know, we were both young. Um, she's not <laughs> lying about her age. Uh, at the time I was 13 and she must've been like 19 or so. Um, mm -hmm. So I have like pictures of me and Jennifer Aniston. That show only lasted like six episodes. And then uh, with Thomas Harris, which was the company that did Golden Girls and Soap and Empty Nest and Nurses and like all those shows, um, they ended up bringing me over. And I met with a man named Don Rio, who created Blossom. He originally created it to be about a boy. He wanted to do a sitcom 
kind of as like a catcher in the rye, like a day in the life of like a smart, unusual boy. And there was oh, one wow. female. I never knew that. Yep. So he changed it because he loved you. No. So I wish that was the story. No, he <laughs> changed it because this, this female executive literally said to him, what if it was about the sister in the family? And it was like, what? Like there hadn't been a girl on network television probably since Gidget, meaning there was like Clarissa, there was like other, you know, there was Sabrina, like there were other things like there was Punky Brewster, there were kids shows, but in mm. terms of like prime time shows about a girl, it didn't exist. So everybody said we were crazy. Everybody said Don was crazy. And um, he was introduced to me and he's like, that's the kid. Like, this is the girl. This oh, is the God. female Holden Caulfield. Like I was this like, ver- I was like a 65 year old at 13 is the way he described it. <laughs> totally. Oh my um, gosh. So yeah. So yeah you didn't to- speak like a, like a 12 year old. No, I was like a, a strange human. Anyway, so he, <laughs> we did, we did a pilot that originally had a married set of parents because he wanted to do a show about a divorced family. And again, at the time, this was 1989, people were like, that's great. Divorce, what? And so when we were actually brought back um, and picked up, he was able to change it to a divorced family. And, you know, people need to remember in 1989, the notion that a dad would raise kids was like, what? And the notion that he might be raising kids simply because the mom wanted to like have her own life and left the family. It was like, how could you make a show with a woman like that? Whereas now we know that like women have all sorts of desires and sometimes it doesn't lead them to the places that we think. So wait, wasn't Blossom's uh mom, didn't mom, uh, the mom pass away? No, Melissa Manchester played David. Oh, right. (laughs) Melissa Manchester played my mom. She came back like at the end. I totally forgot. Well, we filmed in Paris and she was in the Paris episode. So that was like, so she was part of that. But yeah, it was a a divorced family where one of the siblings was a recovering drug addict, alcoholic. Again, at the time they were like, I don't know. That's so, we don't know if we can talk about that. Too edgy, too edgy, edgy. right? We we ended up with Right. We premiered after the Cosby show. That's how old we are. Um, And we ran for five years, which at the time, you know, was a very respectable runtime. We were never a critically acclaimed show. We never got nominated for an award. We never were in the top 20. We were a show that like hovered in like, you know, the top 30, the top, like depending, but people remembered us. We were up against Monday night football and we were told no one will watch this show except girls. Boys will not watch girls. They're not interested. So obviously we had other characters. We had Joey Lawrence. We had Michael Stoyanov, um, Ted Wass, you know, who was a young dad character, um, you know, played the dad. Jenna Von Oy played six, uh, Blossom's best friend. Her father said that's how many beers it took is why that was her name. That was in the first episode. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and then, you know, David, obviously, you were part of our life. And we had this really, you know, iconic kind of moment in history. And we ran, you know, till 94. Um, and I was 14 to 19 during those years. Uh, Joey was 13 to 18. Jenna was 12 to 17. Um, and I was two years out of high school, actually, when Blossom ended. So for the last two years of the show, I was not, you know, even going back and forth to school. I was just, you know being a, a normal human outside of school working, you know, on a show that I'd been on since I was a kid. Here's what I remember. First of all, Don Rio is one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. I mean, Christine, he's like, you know, drove like an old re- remodeled Bronco. He's got a, a house in Hawaii. He's like the most Zen chill dude ever. He's a very chill, very chill showrunner. Yeah. I, a great guy. And, and at the same time, 
Paul Witt scared the hell out of me. And I, I remember like I, I, I from my experience, I felt like my job was on the line every week and I was terrified. And my friendship with you really got me through it. I mean, you were so like normal and like we, we shared this passion for music and film. Remember like we, you would come in with a new album you found, or I'd come in with a new film. We were just so excited to tell each other about it. And then Christine in Paris, we did a two hour movie in Paris. We, we had YouTube. an insane experience. <laughs> Mayim's like, do you want to go see you too? In, At the Hippodrome. A, yeah. Like a free concert. We and literally got tickets to you too in the middle of Paris, but it was at a hippodrome, which is like the old rate, the old like horse race coursing, the whole, the horse, the old horse race course. And so we're like coming up the hill. We're like, we got tickets to you too. Like we're like these American celebrities, like this is going to be awesome. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And we come over this hill and we see about 20,000 people that we are not going to get in front of. Bono was literally like a, a centimeter tall. But we were obsessed with you too at the time. Do you remember? Yeah, like we would absolutely. go through lyrics together and like did yes. you hear this song did you hear that song and, um but yeah the uh, the the you were not only the greatest scene partner but you were just like so down to earth and really got me through those years because it was intimidating you know it was a different time you know for sitcom it was a different time for television and this is kind of when i think about the 90s and i think about the kind of television the kind of people that you know you are featuring especially um you know, this was a time when you did run throughs with like producers right there who would actively give you notes to your face. Like yeah. it was a very, it was like, it was like active theater also with the critics, like literally giving you notes as yeah. you went. And that was like, you broke your teeth on sitcom. And, you know, David was like this, like young, fresh faced kid from New York, you know? And like, he was thrown into like a very, you know, it's, it's competitive. Not that we're competitive with each other, but just like, you have to get it right. You have to get it right quickly. Like there's not, it's not a movie. Oh, no, you, you have, have to, to land, think. landing yeah. those jokes in the run through. And then if it's, if yeah. there, if you don't, then it's gone the next day. And then maybe you yeah. just don't have a joke in the scene. <laughs> and it's that. Maybe you're it, written out of an episode. Like things yes. like that happen, you know, yep. but yep. no, I have um, really fond memories. And I think like, that's a really special aspect of our show that, um, you know, I, I know is not true for everyone, but we had a very clean and healthy set. Um, you know, I never saw even crew like drinking or doing drugs. Like it was, it was a, a clean set. It felt like a safe place for us to grow up. Um, and there was, you know, um, a healthy amount of downtime, but we really were like each other's social circle. You know, David's a little yeah. older than me, but like, that was, that was our social circle. That was our junior, that was my junior high and high school, you know, and, um, we were recognizable people. So like it, it was really a, a time when there wasn't, there wasn't publicity like there is now, like as a 14 year old, I could look like a 14 year old. You know, when I look at like what 14 year old girls are expected to look like today, like I literally did my own hair and makeup for red carpets. Like it was such a different world. There wasn't like mm -hmm. sponsors and social media. Like it's a very innocent time, you know, mm -hmm. in Hollywood and in television history, but still we were super recognizable. So our lives were really changed in those years. And it was about the work. I mean, right. Like, I, I know. I remember learning, if nothing else, take care of these hours when you're on the set with these people because they are pros. And, you know, it, as long as you take care of that, everything else will be okay. Yeah. And that's kind of what I learned from Blossom. I mean, but you're right. Those run-throughs and, you know, Paul with his three-piece suit, 
you know, staring at you. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I was, I was terrified all the time, except when I was, except when I was with you or in a scene with you, which thank God was most of the time. But, um, they actually, then, then, then Paul and Tony offered me like another show, a pilot called, uh, I forget. It was like about a nuclear holocaust or something. Oh, they, they offered well, me another. Sounds hilarious. Yes. It was, it was a comedy about <laughs> the world had ended. But I was like, oh, wow, they actually might. Oh, like they liked me. you. Oh, they liked you very much. Well, and I think also, you know, I was, I still felt pretty new to the industry because like my life had really gone from like a handful of guest spots. You know, I did like eight episodes of Webster and I was on Facts of Life and like we tried to do a spin off of Facts of Life with like, it was like me and Juliette Lewis and Seth Green and like, like what? I had done some oh stuff. Yeah, God. I had crazy things before Blossom. <laughs> but, you know, I wasn't raised in the industry. And so there was still an aspect of like learning personalities. And, you know, I remember I did. I learned a lot from you. I learned a lot from from Michael Stoyanov, you know, like people who had been kind of also like had more experience like auditioning and being part of like that Hollywood culture. Like it was all very you know, it was all very, like I said, innocent, but also very intimidating in general. You know, there was a lot of social events that like we'd be asked to go to. There was like teen magazine things. And it was like, you know, I ran in the same circles as like Danica McKellar and like, you know, and, and, and Juliet and, you know, and all these people. And it was also just like, it was like high school. It was like, where do you fit? And what click are you in? And like, you know, it was the whole thing. It's part of our life, you know? Yeah, it's growing up and, and having those moments. But there's, you know, and, and again, like you said, very different than what the today is because it, there wasn't all of the social media. But, but still going to have those experiences and have photographers putting it in Teen Magazine of like right. the awkward social gathering of, you know, teen celebrities. Totally. Oh, we that was Elizabeth a thing. Berkley on. Yes, Elizabeth Berkley yes. mentioned oh, it. Oh, I've been she, to many things with Elizabeth. She, yes, she had said, David, she was talking about one that you guys were at and then and just said those were, and for her as somebody who's really aspired and was like, you know, dreaming of Hollywood, like getting to one of those things was like, I've made it. I have <laughs> made it to the Teen Beat trip. To the Teen Beat magazine. This is the know, San Diego event. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. But Mayim, you always seem so confident and and relaxed to me. Um mm. But I guess, you know, you, you, the writing was so good, right? I mean. The writing, yeah. The, I mean, I the, think. There's something about that show. I don't know. People say that to me. What was it about Blossom? that Like, it was just different than than your average sitcom. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I do think, you know, I, I felt very taken care of. I don't think I would describe myself as like a confident person, but I felt taken care of by Don. Um, right. I felt taken care of. I mean, this is, you know, a million moons ago, like Warren Littlefield was our executive. You know, we had like. That, that other generation of like middle-aged white dudes. I mean, they're our age now. Like they, they seemed really old. Cause like they we seemed were right. teenagers. Oh yeah. gosh. But, but we were, we were well taken care of. I mean, a lot of, you know, the time on Blossom was also spent with, you know, Don, uh, Don Rio, as I mentioned, um, our creator and executive producer, you know, fighting with the network about what we were allowed to say and what we weren't allowed to say. And, you know, a lot of people remember like tonight on a very special blossom. And like, we didn't set out to be like an issues show, but, you know, we talked about safe sex when we literally had to fight to do so. And I like to joke that like, now you can show safe sex on television back then. Mm -hmm. You couldn't say right. it. You know, mm -hmm. we had salt and Peppa on, we had salt and Peppa on singing. Let's talk about sex. And it was like, 
can we do this? Are they going to pull us? I mean, like we had Joey, you know, I mean, we had, there was a joint episode, right? Where Blossom finds a joint. Like we had an episode about uh, assault, sexual assault on a date. And it was actually James Marsden who played the guy. Like we had oh some, my gosh. yeah, we had Toby Maguire on, we had Bonnie Rabisi. Like we had a lot of people who've like gone on to do other things, but like there was a safety in our show that I think you may have interpreted as confidence, but I didn't feel terribly confident all the time. And, you know, I mean, I think we all no, had you, also you felt personalized yeah. and yeah, I think we, I, I think it. we all felt I safe. Yeah. You know who, you know, who crushed it on Blossom was David Schwimmer. Do you remember him? <laughs> yeah, of course I do. I, I, I mean, he I remember watching him going, dude, this guy's on another <laughs> level. Like he was killing every, every joke. It was, he played Jenna Vanoy. Like there was an episode where Six was like dating this like guy in prison, I think. And he was supposed to be like this older guy. <laughs> and he did these two episodes. And I mean, he was very quirky, you know, and he, he had like a very interesting way of like delivering lines and comedy, yeah. which obviously has served him very well. Um, but yeah, we had David on. I mean, we had some really, we had some really fun people. And, you know, as Don and I talk about what would it be like to see where these characters are now, which is something that he and I have been working on for a couple of years. But one of the things we thought we were like, we should try and bring back like all these people who had random cameos, like who are now <laughs> like legitimate like people. Um, so yeah, we definitely, we, I don't want to say we started the careers of people, but you know, we definitely had people on. I mean, I remember Toby Maguire. I read a quote. It was like an entertainment weekly where he was like, my favorite show was blossom. And I couldn't believe I got to be on it. And it's like, what? That's crazy. Maya, every Toby time Galecki. Johnny Galecki was on our show. Oh, who you ended up right with a uh, big bang. Oh my God. That's right. He was <laughs> Listen, on our show. I kissed him at a party. That's right. What? Yeah. This was before you came on. There was an episode where Blossom was at, I think it was like a kissing party where people got together and like kissed. <laughs> and Johnny, I mean, Johnny Galecki and I, we had the same agent at the time, but yeah, we were both like 14 and there's this hilarious picture of like, we look like fetuses. Like we look like the youngest <laughs> version. <laughs> Um, so yeah, a lot of people who, you know, I've ended up like, you know, circling back with at other points in my life and career were on our show. Good actors wanted to be on that show. In fact, most of our guests, um, when I read through the, the notes, they've all done an episode of Blossom. <laughs> so then you had this amazing run on Blossom and then you decide to leave entertainment. How, yeah, what I mean, was I that think, about? Well, I mean, I think. You know, I think of all the people, I think, David, you know, you probably personally, you know, you knew me very, very well. And I was a person who, much as I loved what I did, I loved entertaining people. I was never very taken with fame. I never felt comfortable yeah. um, mm. being recognized. And the allure was a lot of like money and fame. And, you know, if you were a guy like chicks, you know, like that was very much 90s. Like, you know, I'm going to get to date people because, I, you know, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying like that was the vibe of the 90s. And for me, like, I never felt comfortable. Um, it's not that I didn't like people recognizing me, um, but I, it, every single time I was like, what? Oh, right. right. I have an identity where other people own me. They own a version of me. And I think especially, you know, I was, I was like a young, I was a young feminist, like, you know, when it was a bad word. And so I was also like, who am I as a woman and what am I representing? And a lot of times people would say like, why aren't you smiling? Like that was a standard thing oh, that I would gosh. hear. Like dance for me, smile for me. And I was like, oh, oh I'm my so gosh. tired. 
it was very intense. So my parents were teachers and I always wanted to go to college. And like my grandparents were immigrants and it was like, we don't like, they loved that I was on TV. It was crazy. Like their English was like sort of shaky, but they knew I was on TV, but also like, when are you going to go to college? Like it was a real ethic in my family. Mm. Um, I did. I stepped away from the industry. Also at the time being on a sitcom was like not a coveted actor position in terms of like, there was an elitism in the nineties and it was kind of like, you're on a, you know, you're on a sitcom. Like we didn't have movie actors wanting to be on sitcoms like they do now. Like that wasn't a thing. So the idea was also like, I'm going to step away from the industry just for however long to kind of like be myself again and be a person again and then see what happens. And, um, you know, I ended up leaving and really liking being in academia and really like, I mean, of course, like I literally walked off the television and into like the quad at UCLA, but people were out of their minds, like drunk frat boys in particular, drunk people will say the darndest thing. So I definitely got a lot of that, (laughs) but you know, I, I really, I mean, I had gotten interested in science during Blossom, you know, I had tutors for all the different subjects because I was still Mm -hmm. in school and um, I wanted to be valued for what was like in my head and not just sort of what I could offer, you know, as a commodity. And, you know, the other thing, and I don't know if other people talked about this in detail, but like we didn't make the kind of money that people make now where it's like, you're set for life. Like that wasn't a reality, especially as a female teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we didn't have that kind of like positioning. So meaning I had to work again. Like I knew that my life needed to lead somewhere, And for me, I was really taken with science and exercising that part of me. Like, you know, I studied Hebrew and Jewish studies as my minor. Like I learned Hebrew. I learned Yiddish. Like I lived a college life. I was like a nerd ball. Like, like I was super Jew. I like did, you know, all like (laughs) Israel programming. I led services. Like I reworked the the prayer book for like our synagogue on campus. Like I was a super activist. I went to basketball games and like I slept outside Poly Pavilion for tickets. Like. I was a student, you know, I met the person that I ended up dating for five years. We got married. We applied to grad school together. Like I had a different life and like, I missed being creative the way that we get to be creative. But I also was like really enjoying being around a lot of like intellectual academic type. And you got to explore so much, everything, totally. everything you couldn't yeah. do at during totally. that period of time that right. most, most high schoolers do dabble. Correct. They take classes yeah. here. They do that. They'll go on a trip to Israel. They They'll have do, friends. Like they, 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 like they have friends. They have a crew. Yeah. They, right. And like, and honestly, like I, a lot of my friends, you know, when I got famous, were kind of freaked out by it. It didn't go over that well. Um, you know, girls had a hard time with a girl that got a lot of attention, especially when she wasn't like Mm. the, the pretty girl, meaning like, oh, there's something about you that people are gravitating towards and I can't compete with it. Cause it's not like you're the prettier girl. You're like the everything girl. You're like on television Mm. and boys were like weird. So like, I didn't really have like a big kind of like social world. So college was that time to like meet people and to do things. And also like, yeah, to be valued for the things that I held very dear to me, which was like, yeah, like a lot of it was my, my religious background, my ethnic identity. Like I was really like, I'm a nerd. Like I geeked out on all that stuff. So and what about you know, just I, being a student among students, right? And not being yeah. 
uh, blossom, right? Just being oh, another was, kid was, on campus. Correct. And I think like that's also the humanity of it, which, you know, when you think about kid actors and when I think about people who've been acting since they're three and four, like when you're always the most, when you're always the featured, the lovable, like the everybody right. loves you, you get so much attention. Like, of course it does things to you. So like I got to drop, like I literally got to, you know, have to take organic chemistry twice and I couldn't go to grad school. I couldn't go to medical school where like I wanted to be a doctor. And I was like, oh, you're terrible at organic chemistry. And it wasn't like your mom can be like, you got it, go get it. Like, no, there's actually yeah. in the real world, no, it's sometimes you're not good at things. Like I thought I would go to med school. And then my first time I dissected a brain, I was like, I have shaky hands, apparently. I couldn't dissect the hippocampus the way my friend Kim could. And I was like, oh, oh I'm gosh. not the best. But like, I'm, it's like, that was humbling. And in our industry, you, you are like, you both know the goal is to like please them the most, be the prettiest, be the right. cutest, the be funniest. the funniest. Like mm -hmm. the funny. Right, sometimes right. you're just a human. Oh. And I really got that experience. And then, you know, I had my first son in grad school. Um, and that was a whole other humbling experience. Cause I was like, oh, and also whatever fantasy you had, <laughs> it's totally different. Because, like, oh, <laughs> right. hormones, like breastfeeding, like all the Thing. And you are no longer the center of the universe. Correct. Exactly. Just a regular human. And yes, I have privilege. Like I'm, I want to just say that, like I have privilege. I have white privilege. I, I had the ability to earn, you know, um, but, but the fact is like, we're all living a human experience, no matter what, like when it comes down to it, like we all grieve the same. You know, ultimately mm -hmm. we, we have the same chemicals when we grieve, when we love. And like, that's really the, the human experience and what we experience as actors and as celebrities, like it's fun. It's awesome. It's sparkly. But like, there are moments in life that bring you to your knees when you're reminded, like, no one cares the way <laughs> you were yes. raised to think they do. It's yes. so true. Where are we racing to anyway? But like, what's inspiring yeah. about you is how many times you've made bold decisions and reinvented yourself. When you decided to leave entertainment, did you get pushback from your parents, your agents, everyone around you must have been like, what are you nuts? Um, or yeah, no? I mean, I think, well, I think again, because there was like this stigma of like being on a sitcom, it was kind of like, yeah, let's see what happens when you're like a real adult. Take exactly. A like, yes. like oh, okay. take a breath now. Take a beat. Right. And Which let's also like didn't, didn't feel yes. great, you know. That's right. horrible. And I, also, well, and I, yes. I think, you know, I if I had wanted to, I think I could have, you know, looked for other sitcom work and kind of gone into another sitcom. But, you know, given my personality, like I just knew I needed to not be in that kind of goldfish bowl, you know, for a minute. And look our show stays with us forever. You know, I'm still recognized for that. I'm sure you are too, David and Christine for the things that you did, you know, like there's phases in your life that people glom onto because like, that's when they knew you and it meant something to them in their life. Right. Where were they in the nineties? And that's what I always ask people when they're like, Oh, blah, blah. I'm like, are we the same age? And they're like, well, I'm two years younger. So I got to like, watch you growing up. So like everybody had a, a relationship to us um, but, but it's true that like at that time, I think my, you know, my, my dad, I think was really more supportive of me going into school. I mean, I think my mom was supportive as well. Um, but I think my mom always had a feeling I'd come back and I was gone for 12 years. You know, it's a long time. I, 
I did like three. Yeah, that's a long breather. It's a long breather. <laughs> and it's like, it's like two later. It's like, it's a long, long breather. Um, so what was so, the coming yeah. back process like? Because, I mean, as bold a decision as it was to to uh, go back to school and become a neuroscientist mm-hmm. and a mom, to decide to, like, come back to entertainment, that's just as bold. It was it was bold and for a really ridiculous reason. Um, I was running out of health insurance. I was finishing my grad school. Like, and you get a term of insurance after you take your hood. So, like, I, I got my doctoral hood. I, I took my hood pregnant. Like I literally had my second son, you know, right after I got my PhD and, um, you know, he, you, you get a, a period of insurance and it was running out. And this is just like a reality of life is I was like, if I can just like get some guest spots, like, and get my, my SAG insurance back, at least I'll be like, I mean, that was just the reality of my situation. You know, my husband at the time we're divorced now, but you know, we were both grad students. Like I was literally driving to Pacific Palisades to teach Hebrew. I was teaching piano. Like I was TA every Ma- making semester. Ends meet. Yeah. Making ends meet. Making ends meet. Like that mm-hmm. was like a, that's like a real thing. And so yeah. I never thought I'd be on another sitcom. I promise. I never thought I'd be on another sitcom. I actually ran into one of our former Blossom writers, Brenda Hampton, who created Secret oh. Life of the American Teenager. And, um, I, he actually asked me in like an, in a couple episodes of secret life American teenager, I played a school counselor and what not to wear did one of those, like they take over your closet, they throw everything out. They cut like, I don't know, like nine inches off my hair. They tweezed my eyebrows for the first time. Cause when I left the industry, you didn't even have to tweeze your eyebrows. Like it wasn't, there was no spanks. Like, and they were like, Oh, we're going to like, we're going to like teach you how to be, you know, a, a modern woman, which was like shocking because I had never tweezed my eyebrows and they captured it on camera. And so they literally <laughs> kind of, they gave me though, a lot of like, for real, they gave me a lot of pointers about like kind of what was expected fashion wise. And when you present yourself and, um, so I used a lot of the clothes that they gave me, like when I would, you know, go to auditions and things. And I literally started auditioning. Most casting agents were younger than me. They had no idea like who I was. And, and the fact is that's okay. You have to start where you start. And I auditioned for things like chubby friend too, because I also learned that as a size six, I was considered chubby. Oh, and come I, on. I, I, oh my goodness. So, so maddening. And I was like, oh, I'm Zoftig girl number three was oh, my audition. Zoftig. Like, Zoftig. I was Zoftig. Come on. How does a writer create a character named chubby girl number six? That's just rude. <laughs> because it was, Call it, was it something just, out. Come on with something more creative. Look, this was, it was like the industry was very different. Remember yeah. submit all ethnicities? It <laughs> yeah. used oh, to yeah. say submit all ethnicities if they wanted someone who like wasn't the pretty leading girl. And that meant if you were a person of color, if you had prominent features or if you weren't a size zero. So I just started auditioning for things and I got an episode of bones. I did an episode, like I just did random things. And I literally had like a nursing infant, like an exclusively nursing. I think he was like, he was probably about a year when I started auditioning. And um, I was called in for a show called the big bang theory. I had never seen it. I thought it was a game show. Because someone had told me once, you were mentioned on this show called The Big Bang Theory. And I was like, oh, it must be like a trivia show. And I I literally, they're like, we want a, a female, you know, Sheldon, a female Jim Parsons. And I was like, I've never seen the show. I don't know who he is. And apparently it was very popular already. And so Wait, what, I, season, what season was it in? I was the mm-hmm. season finale of season three. So he was already like a known 
mm-hmm. person, Jim Parsons. So I Googled him and I was like, oh, this is like so many people I went to grad school with. Like, I think <laughs> I'm this person. Oh, yeah. You fit so right I, in. I, I, I feel I, it, right. right. I just, I imitated Jim Parsons for my first audition. And on my resume, under miscellany, I wrote PhD neuroscience because I was like, it does not worth anything, but I didn't go through all that to not put it on a resume. So it's like speak Spanish, (laughs) roller skates, PhD. That might be the one show in the history of the world where that actually helped you. (laughs) (laughs) Look, there were many other talented actresses auditioning there that day. It was down to six of us. Um, none of them were neuroscientists and, um, you know, it was that, like that old school where they like ask you to all stay and then they call you in and then they release one. And it was just like, so, and I only had like three or four lines. My first episode, it was a guest spot, possible recurring. And then I was brought back in season four and given, you know, a job, meaning I was made a professor of neurobiology, um, I think Bill Prady said, at least, you know, my can fix it if it's wrong. He was the you know co-creator with Chuck Lorre. And what's funny, David, is when you told that story about like feeling like you were, you know, risking your job or like your job was at risk every day. That's how I felt like all of mm. season four on Big Bang Theory. And I remember I came home and I, I loved being on that show. Like the pressure wasn't on me. It was already a success, like had all these amazing actors and like it was a finely oiled machine. But I remember I came home and I called my manager after like a Friday run through. And I was like, I think this is my last episode. They're not going to bring me back. (laughs) Like they haven't, they haven't pinned me for more. I just like, I think they've told all the stories they're going to tell. And like, I'm really bummed out. And, um, literally hours later she called and she's like, they just offered you a contract (laughs) to be a regular. (laughs) Wonderful intuition you had. (laughs) No intuition. And so Melissa Rouse and I were both made regulars. She played Bernadette. Um, we were made regulars in season four and, you know, never in my life did I think I'd be on another sitcom. I was on that show for nine years. So like another moment in life where it was like, there was before that. And there was after my kids were 18 months and like three. And, you know, when I got out, it was like bar mitzvah time. Like literally it was a a lifetime, you know, unreal. But you know, as as an actor though, if you, if you never leave acting, Actors need life experience, right? To draw upon. So look I at all. Take- <laughs> you, you brought your life experience back to the perfect show for the life experience that you the, you left for. It's such yeah, a. I mean, look, I yeah, and I think I think more of it, and I think you you probably both can resonate with this as well. Is like you also need time to mature as a human. because like I was still a kid. I mean, like at 19, I think you, I mean, like, look, my mom got married at 18. That was a different time. It was 1964, Mm -hmm. you know, sorry. I just told her age. Sorry, mom. Um, but (laughs) for us, like at 19, especially with like a kind of suspended adolescence, you know, because we were in this like bubble, like I needed to be a human, you know, I had my first kid at 29, which like looking back, I'm like, I was a child then, you know, Um, and you know, during big bang theory, that was nine years of my life. Right. So, so much happened, but yeah, so much had to happen before that, but it's more just like, you know, it was knowing that it's not always about me. Um, I, I, I won't always be the center of attention. You know, those are all the things that I kind of brought. And I was on a show where like, yeah, I didn't have to, I wasn't in every scene, you know, I had time, like, I could breathe a little bit. Like oh, that was a real, it must've felt like, amazing to it just felt really different. And, and you had your insurance. 
and you had your insurance, <laughs> right? Had my insurance. I love that. That's why you went back. But to that. come to it, and I think you're right. I think because I always I joke with my. I mean, I have a I have a 21 year old daughter now and a almost 18 oh year old God. son. But the 21 year old <laughs> daughter is a real feminist, and she is solid and knows what she wants, speaks her mind because she came up in a generation where she was allowed totally. to, and right. and. And, you know, I, I say to her that it took me until well into my totally. 30s to even have the thought that I would say no the way you just said it without even thinking about it. And it's I am so true. in awe of you every single day. And it's every really true. And, and it's funny because, you know, the Me Too movement happened when I was on Big Bang Theory. So right. I had, you know, an active community that we could like literally process with, which when I think about what it was like kind of for the rest of the world or people who weren't, you know, like actively working, like it must have sounded crazy what was going on. Like it must have sounded insane what was going on in Hollywood. But, you know, we had this whole experience. I had a large cast. So we had all these different like opinions and experiences and it was so healthy. But it's funny because when I meet especially young women now who are like, no, I'm not going to say that. That's not appropriate. And I'm like, oh, my look at how they do it and we're still like sir um this feels a little i think i might and finally i was like i need to stop saying i think like i know when something feels ick right yep Yep. i know for me this doesn't work and i can say that and it took i mean decades 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 and by the way because of all the years of the train it's still that same thing where it's still very difficult i i I've, I've re- gotten really good at saying no, but I, I always have a because, and because. then I have to give it an endless, sentence. an endless excuse so that you'll right. still like me in the end for saying <laughs> no. It is a right. real people pleasing, codependent behavior yes. that I am. It's very deeply di- aware. It's very of, different. Hard habit to break for sure. Correct, and also, I mean, it's just like that, that world, especially because you know, on Blossom we were doing a show about an unusual girl. You know, we were doing a show, like my 90s experience was also trying, and this was Don Rio, this really, he really believed, you know, and he's a dad himself. Like he really believed in trying to show, you know, um, a female having an experience where she didn't have to be the captain of the, you know, a cheerleading squad. Like she was a girl who like was kind of geeky like she like you know trumpet right I got to like bring a lot of my quirk you know to the character but also you know I think David's character in particular like she got the guy like that was a mm. really that was a really cool aspect to our show like she right got what an unlikely couple right looking back on it uh yeah you know Don Rio has this character who's um a little offbeat a little nerdy and then brings right. in this you know tough guy well, and also very, very classic, you know, Vinny was, you know, Don's from a different era. And a lot of men who were creating television were from like growing up in the 50s and the 60s. And Vinny was really like this archetype of like, you know, the the leader of the pack. Like he was like, right, but, you know, but, he was but this also, like rebel. So, but, my, but Blossom saw him for the soft Correct. guy that he was right yeah which I, which is it was a yeah, transformative Don, experience <laughs> and don's writing man how interesting that a middle-aged man writes for the voice of uh, a teenage girl you know i love he it. was he was about my age when i met him which is crazy oh, because wow. you know, all right sorry to just, call it middle age but my mind yeah but it's true he was you know he was uh, imagine just like we are creators right we write right. things we're trying to produce things right like 
that's who he was. He, we were the first show that he was like, became known for that way, you know? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I, listen, I love your decision that, you know, that you wanted to not be the center of attention because I know there's, there's a lot of actors that the world just thrusts that upon them and it's not <laughs> their, their own choice. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot healthier to do it the way you, you, you did it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Let's just talk about the, not only the podcast, but the, the, the movie. I remember before you started, before you were going to direct the movie, I think we spoke about it. And I uh-huh. had directed a movie called Sister um, mm-hmm. that was semi-autobiographical in, in a very similar way where, you know, Barbara Hershey, ironically, played my mom. Reed mm. Scott played me. 
And it dealt with my mother's mental illness, my mm -hmm. father's death, and the adoption of, uh, you know, taking custody of my youngest adopted sister. And mm -hmm. I feel like, how how did the movie come about? And 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 was it was it like therapeutic for you to to write it and to make it? Yeah, I mean, um, my my father, a blessed memory, died eight years ago, oh, and um, you know. My, my dad and I, you know, we were, I was like his doppelganger, you know, and like, mm -hmm. it was, and, and now that I'm a parent, like I see how complicated that is because like, you know, I have two kids and one definitely just like, he just seems more like me than the other. Right. Like we like the same music more organically. And like, we like <laughs> the, same, we have the same, like sense of humor and, you know, so kids are different, but my dad and I were like, we were that, that pair. Um, and so when my dad died, um, something interesting started happening, which had never happened to me before. I started seeing almost like a movie in my head of images, like memories. And I felt like, I, I think I should write these down. And like, I had written books, like I've written, I've written like true books. You know, I wrote a book on parenting and I wrote, you know, two books about the teenage experience. And I, I wrote a cookbook, like, but I've never written a script. I didn't even have final draft, like the, the program <laughs> that like, I didn't even know how to use it. I was like, how do you write? So, um, you know, I, I did a traditional year of mourning for my dad, which many traditional Jews do. Um, and it's like, a, there's a lot of restrictions, like, you yeah. don't wear bright colors and you don't hear live music. And after that year ended, it was like something started brewing. And so I started writing and I actually met with Jim Rash. Um, his movie, The Way Way Back, was kind of one of the movies that when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is like funny, but it's like touching. And when I found really out that good. it was kind of semi-autobiographical, oh I, I, knew, I knew some people through the Groundlings, you know, where he's a, a member and an alumnus. Um, and I was like, will you meet with me? And I literally met with him at Crossroads, this vegan place here in L.A. And I was like, here's the story. You know, and I told him a little bit about the arc of my family. And he was like that's a movie. Here's act one. Here's act two. Here's act three. And I was like, okay, will you write it for me? And he's like, no, this is your story. And I said, well, I've never done this. And he said, well, you're going to do it. And so I literally started writing and Don was one of the people who, you know, kind of encouraged me and was one of my sort of editors, um, Eddie Gorodetsky oh, wow. and Eric Kaplan, you know, other writers from big bang theory and from the Chuck Lorre world who were close with me. Um, they told me I could do it. And so I started writing and, um, you know, it's not strictly autobiographical and, um, it is about a really complicated family with a lot of mental, uh, illness problems and a lot of, um, division and tragedy that comes because of that. And also a lot of humor and love and never in a million years did I think I would direct it. I'm not a director. That's not a thing. But every time I started thinking about directors, I was thinking like, how am I going to explain to them what's already in here? Right. And like, it's your story. This is yep. Right. I see it. And I feel it. I know it. I, exactly. And so I, um, I never in a million years thought that Dustin Hoffman would read this and want to meet with me. We just like started sending it out. And Simon Helberg from The Big Bang Theory played the brother character and Diana Agron uh, played me. And I, I did think about playing me, but I also felt like if I actually want to be um, a legitimate director and have that experience, I can't also be acting. Like, it's just not going to happen because directing, I mean, it was, you know, it was a small film. Uh, we needed a lot bigger budget than we had, but we, we did our best. Um, I had an incredible DP who came from the Noah Baumbach world, um, David Feeney Mosher. And like, it was, 
you know, we created this little work of art um, that told the story of a lot of pain and a lot of uh, beauty and a lot of sort of healing. Um, you know, I, I like to think all the characters were redeemed in some way, um, but, you know, hurt people hurt. And um, and it was a bizarre, bizarre experience to direct for the first time actors who have won Academy Awards more than <laughs> wow. once. Like it was insane. It's called As They Made Us. Um, you know, what happens with films like that is it's a lot of really dumb bureaucracy. Um, you know, it was out in in a couple theaters, but that's not really movies don't live there anymore. Showtime bought it so you can see it you know, it exists like that. It's a heartbreaker. I mean, it really is. Like I've had so many friends send me pictures of them ugly crying um, towards the end. Yeah. The, the title se- the title sequence at the end is really one of my favorites. We gathered photos from a lot of our crew of them and their dads. And oh. um, so it's like this montage. How, and it's, how like, did it's your, a heartbreaker. Oh, heartbreaker. it sounds so good though. How wow. did your mom uh, respond to the film? You know, my, my mom, I didn't want my mom to see it. Um, I, I, I was I, in the same, seriously, we, we have like, so many similarities not, too. I, I but, really, I didn't want her to see it. Um, you know, I, I made sure to communicate that this was, this was not, you know, Candace Bergen was not playing her. Right. Um, you know, it was um, an exaggerated version in many ways of, you know, the way you tell stories is different than the way life happens. And that's true of really all the aspects of the film. It's true of my brother's role as well. Um, she chose to see it. She saw it in a movie theater, which I can imagine as a parent is like incredible, right? Like it's like, that was her kid, like mm-hmm. her kids, like she gave birth to me. Like, that's weird. Um, <laughs> but we, we kind of chose not to talk about it. Meaning like, she really said, like, I don't, I don't feel a need to, and I did not feel a need to talk about it at all. Like she was proud of me, you know, and, and artistically and visually, you know, it's, a, it's a very specific look, um, that the film has, and there's all these flashbacks, but, um, I'm really proud of her, honestly, for how she handled it, because I told her people are going to say, did this really happen? Did that really happen? And I said to her, you don't you don't owe anyone anything. You're allowed to say, I'm not going to get into it. And I'm proud of my daughter or it's my whatever, daughter's but, film. Yeah. yeah. That's... And, and I just said to her, like, you're not I mean, you know, God bless my mother. She had a way to make it a lot about like, what are people going to think of me? And I get that. Um, but the purpose of the film was not to call people out. The purpose was not to tell, to air our dirty laundry. I'm sure David, you totally get that too. But mental illness is like a real thing that happens. Alcoholism is a real thing that happens that a lot of people experience. And guess what? It's a family disease. It literally, it will ripple out in many ways. And even if you don't know where it's hiding, it's probably there and everybody's going to react to it. Everyone's going to be impacted by it. And, you know, I chose to express it artistically in a way that, you know, is in in many ways problematic and also in many ways, yeah, cathartic. The writing, I think, was more cathartic than the movie making of it, Um, like getting it out there. Mm. Um, And, you know, uh, definitely, you know, my my dad was a my parents were documentary filmmakers and my dad was a, a frustrated artist his whole life. And like, I still was like, oh, I can't wait for him to see it. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. It only exists because he died. Like, it's still that like mind trip. Right. And the making of the movie is the thing. I, You know, what the world thinks of it <laughs> is out of your control. Mm-hmm. But totally. The, the experience. And we've talked to other guests about that. That's yours. That's yours forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the movie is called As They Made Us. I, Mayim, where does it live now? Is it? I mean, Apple TV it's on- or... Yeah, yeah, you can get it. Yeah, Showtime. Oh, Showtime, has it. right, right. right. Um, Apple, Apple TV, you know, just Google as they made us. Um, and yeah, and also if you are a, a Big Bang Theory person, it's really cool to see Simon Helberg. Um, he, he 
does he's an so unbelievable good. job. And he he's looks so, like your brother. So he looks good. like he you're at, it's. He looks yeah. more like my brother than my brother is what I say. But um, <laughs> I thought it no, was. I'm like, did she cast Isaac yeah. in the, the movie? No, it's some really, really powerful performances. And also, you know, Dustin hadn't worked in a minute. And so also like to get to work with him and, you know, he's a, a really old school acting master. And I also recommend like his episode of our podcast that we did, like he talks about the process of what it was like being an actor with like young Bobby Duvall and like what that experience, like you used to be sent to therapy to, to be an actor. Like he was sent to like, you had to do psychotherapy <laughs> to be part of like that, like Stella Adler school. Like I feel like I, I heard an interview apart. with Robert Duvall on Howard Stern talking about that and talking about, yeah. I think he and Dustin were, were roommates or, or buddies or whatever yes, it was, but he talked were, a lot oh, about we that. Yes. 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 You got all the stories. I need to listen to that as the companion piece oh, to the God. Howard the Stern. B it's the Bialik breakdown, right? <laughs> Maya yeah. Bialik's breakdown. Yes. It's available on Bialik's Spotify breakdown. and wherever you get uh, your podcasts. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. Anyway, we cannot keep, yeah. we're not allowed to keep you any longer, but we could do this for days and days and we get to come talk to you fairly soon. Yes, that's right. Which is so exciting. Um, I, we cannot thank you enough. This was. Thank incredible. you. And, and also I want to, I, I do, I want to take this opportunity though, if, if I can, like to, to mention that, you know, there, there are so many reboots, like so many people have asked about like Blossom reboots. And so I also like, I wanted to take this opportunity. This feels like the safest place to say that like Don and I have, we have a script and, you know, we have a script that would be um, a single cam take on Blossom. So this has been a really interesting set of conversations that we've literally been having for years oh, because wow. a lot of people are like, do a sitcom. Like it's everyone's it. But I think like for me and Don, the whole kind of point of Blossom was how different it was, even though people are like, oh, it was a cute 90s sitcom. And it totally was. The lens that we are curious in exploring is one that we are looking, you know, for Disney to get on board with because they own us. They own our rights. And right. we feel like there are many ways to revisit a lot of different things. And look, Fuller House has done amazing, like all these crazy, awesome reboots. Like it's fun and people love it. Um, but our interest is seeing where, where are these people as adults? What would it be like to visit them? And, you know, David, you're part of that conversation because we had five years with these characters, you know, and we are curious in seeing more than what, you know, kind of a 21 minute format could provide for them because we feel like as quirky as we were, there's a quirky way to see where we are now. And so that's something Don and I, you know, I, I just finished season three of Call Me Cat on Fox. Uh, I don't know yet about the rest of my life yet. Uh, but the fact is, like, high on my list of things that I would like to achieve in this lifetime as an actor would be to revisit this character in in a, in a modern way and see what she's like as a woman living now. As a, an so, adult woman. Yeah. And to see Correct. that through a single camera lens is, yeah. wow, I that just sounds... Yeah. That's so exciting really to me. Exciting. Just, yeah, that you and Don put your heads together. I'm th there's honestly there, there's it's a no brainer. And, I mean, we uh, think so. So, yeah. So, David, you're you're the last one that we didn't have. Everybody else wants to do it. So Joey and Jenna um, and Michael and Ted Wass all want to do it. So, um, you know, we have the support. All right, of, I want to do it. Of Tony I was going to say, are we going <laughs> to hear in. it here first from David Lasher? I, I mean, I think we did just hear it here first. So, yeah, uh. it's part of our conversation has been about what it would be like. And again, um, it's something that Don and I are super passionate about, but we're just like, we did blossom kind of our own way. We want to do this our own way too. We don't just want to 
you know, say, oh, we're going to revisit it the same way because we want people to enjoy where these characters are now. But we do want to do it in in a way that, you know, we just need one executive to be like, yeah, that's yeah. going to be awesome. So that's kind of what we're hoping for. Yeah. Well, that Blossom was a special show. It was a unique show. Good luck with it. Honestly, that sounds and, so and exciting. And your relationship with Don, you've brought him up so many times in this interview and, and to have, to look back at that period of time and to have that person that rock that like through all of it it sounds like he it's my is third, just been... it's my third yeah it's it's kind of like having a third parent you know it's the person That's that really created great. an aspect of me and he created all of us we actually just did a speaking engagement um in his hometown of providence rhode island he never went to college but we spoke at a college um about what it was like kind of me being his muse and what it was like for him as a writer and what our relationship has evolved into, we get together most Fridays with a group of writers, like all old school writers. And we tell stories and we tell jokes and he is, he's like my third parent. And also like the person that I want to create with, like, we're still such a creative couple, you know, um, and I'm a grown up artist now, so it's different, but yeah. Oh, as a, wow, as so a mentor special. and a muse, I couldn't put a more beautiful pairing together i mean the two of thank you thank you um, yeah. and also david i stole one of your shirts so i still have it um i a stole Vinnie the shirt? shirt that you i stole a Vinny <laughs> shirt i still have it and wear it it's the shirt that you were wearing in like the most famous publicity picture of the two of us we were sitting i remember exactly where we were sitting when we took the picture and it was like a cool old flannel shirt and i still have it so next time i see you i'll wear it <laughs> That well, I'd awesome. If that's an excuse to see you, I'm in. I'd, I'd love to get the shirt back. And thank <laughs> no, you for being with us. No, you're not getting the shirt back. That's not. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping it. I don't need the shirt. I'll, She'll show I'll it say, to you. I'll say it's because of the shirt. Can we have lunch? I want my shirt back. <laughs> yes. Thank you both. Send oh, my love to you. your mom, please. I will. I will. So All much right, love. We love you. We can't wait to see thank you on your you. podcast. Great to it's see you both, and we'll see you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you, Maya. Bye. What a special person, right? I I feel like I say this every week, but she really is one of a kind. I mean, do you kind of, I almost feel like, and, and, you know, her, her pod, it's the reason her podcast is so successful too, but I felt like we could have just kind of sparked one little sort of, you know, talking point and just let her speak for the full hour without either of us, because she's fascinating and she is such a good storyteller and such a truth teller. Um, I, I love her honesty and I, I, I didn't get the chance to say it to her, but I just love when she just said, we all grieve the same. Like we, you, we, we can all have these different experiences, but like the human element and the human experience is what it is. And she's, I, I mean, she, uh, incredible. And, and for somebody to have, you know, I wanted to say to her too, when I was talking about my 21 year old is, you know, she really was that version she had growing to do, but she knew well enough that she needed to leave, to go to school, to explore. A lot of people would just say, I'm going to ride this wave. Well, right. I got it, right? No, um, she was so always, like, the times I remember those years was just rapping out with her for hours about just life. And it wasn't superficial stuff. Like, she was, even as as a as a teenager... She, we would, we, you know, we would talk, we'd have deep discussions, mm -hmm. whether it was about art or family or work or whatever. She was fascinated with the world and 
her path is the one of the most unique paths I've ever seen. I mean, she's the host of Jeopardy. We didn't I know, even we talk didn't even about get to that. that. I know. I, mean, I know. Like, she There's loved so Jeopardy. Much. Uh, yeah, she's she's incredible, and uh, I'm so excited for our listeners that they got to uh, experience that. And then you and I will be on the Bialik breakdown. I know. Out, so. I we were. I was so honored that we got invited to to do that with her. So I that's going to be really fun. We can um, we can let her lead the way, and uh, but that was awesome. And listening to you too, and I love that she still has a Vinny shirt. And how exciting <laughs> about this potential blossom. Re- yeah, you know, reimagining, she, reimagining. Right? She was she, she's on a group chat with yeah. Michael, Jenna, Joey, because they were on Call, Call Me Cat. Yes, I guess they yes, did a, yes. An episode. Oh yeah, Joey had mentioned that. Yeah. So so, I guess after Joey had been on the podcast, Mayim wrote back to everyone. I'm I'm waiting to do David's podcast until I can announce something. So I was like, oh, what what does that mean? And then you know, this was in January. Now it's you know it's April. Right. But yeah, the fact that just that she and Don have a script that they're passionate about gets me excited because the yes. two of them are powerhouses. That's so cool. That's really, really cool. Um, and I do, I need to dig up those pictures from um, when she would come to see the Real Life Brady Bunch. I have some really cute pictures. Oh my God, 29 times she watched so it. So crazy. Um, all right, well, that is going to do it for us. Yes, for, thank I, you for yes. listening so much. And Christine, thank you for helping uh, guide an, another amazing conversation. I, Are you I, kidding? I this it. is just, it's fun. This it's is just so fun. fun. <laughs> we're really lucky. We, we're loving it. We hope you guys are loving it. And um, and um, come come back next week. Come back next week. That's all we'll say. Yeah, we got another <laughs> good one. All right. Have a great week. Good to see you. Take care. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give us five stars. And please follow us on Instagram at HeyDudeThe90s Called. See you next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.